Jesus taught us to pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And God is actively working all around you, even in ways you don't see, to build and to advance his kingdom. And he invites us to be a part of it, which is what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. And we've got different people who are coming in. I'm going to be teaching next week, but we have an incredible group that's coming in helping teach because we're going to be listening to guys who Calvary is partnering with to plant churches across North America. You know, when Calvary embraced a vision a few years ago that we've come to call our X-150 vision, which was trying to change the paradigm from just addition to multiplication. And we began to dream, what would it look like if God would work in and through our church to multiply by 150? And it it began to change how we viewed ministry. It began to change how we looked at success. It began to change what we prayed for and what we longed for. I'm very excited today to introduce some friends to you who are going to come and share in a moment. Because one of the things that we discovered is, you know, again, God's doing things all over the place. And we discovered something God was doing in all places, Iowa, like Iowa. And uh, we, we met some folks, and God was absolutely just building his kingdom in an extraordinary way through a group of churches called the Salt Network. In fact, it started with one church in Ames, Iowa, where every weekend, somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 college students are gathering in a midweek service and, and then in a church on Sunday that includes not only those college students, but people from throughout the community. But it isn't just the service that's impressive. It's amazing. But what is amazing is the intentionality of reaching and discipling college students to not only lead them to faith in Christ, but to train and disciple them to go and be leaders in new churches. And over the last decade, that church has grown into 16 churches across the Midwest, not just Iowa, but places like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and states throughout the Midwest. When we got to meet these leaders... They began to tell me about one of their leaders who had planted a church in Cedar Falls, Iowa, at the, near the University of Northern Iowa, Paul Sabino, who planted the Candeo Church in 2013, that now runs more than 1,500 people every weekend. And again, hundreds of college students that are being reached through this ministry. Paul kind of was reached in that ministry, was disciple trained, and then now had planted the church, and that God was calling him to go somewhere else and plant another church. And we said, why not Florida? We have colleges. We have students that need to be reached. And that opened the door to a conversation that went over a series of months. And I'm here to tell you today that Calvary is ready to partner with the SALT Network to plant the first church in their network with us outside of the Midwest, and it's going to be in Gainesville, Florida, at the University of Florida. And we're excited today, we're excited today to have a team of leaders that have already committed to come. In fact, I want to recognize them. Ryan and Danielle Hill are here. Ryan and Danielle are sitting somewhere in here. I don't know where you guys are. They're old, right? 
front and center. Ryan is an executive pastor at another church in Cedar Rapids, but he is going to be the executive pastor and lead there. Van and Aaron Zook are right here. Van and Aaron, they're just moving. Like, they're moving to say, we want to be part of that. And they have like dozens of people who have already quit their jobs. They're leaving family that are close by. You know why? Because they believe God has called them to this mission field. And I'm happy to introduce today, and he's here with his wife, Jenny, Paul and Jenny Sabino. Paul is coming right now. Jenny, you're where? Jenny, right there. Paul Sabino is the pastor of the Candeo Church in Cedar Falls, but he's already told his leaders he's leaving. He's coming to Florida. He's partnering with us, the Salt Network, to plant their first church in the state of Florida in Gainesville next year. This afternoon, we're having a meeting on our Clearwater campus at 5.30. If you are interested in finding out more about the Gainesville church, maybe you've got connections in the University of Florida. You may have students there. You just want to know more about what's happening. Maybe you want to find a way you can be involved. We're hosting an informational meeting on our Clearwater campus at 5.30, and you're welcome to come and attend. We are so glad to have Paul Sabino here with us today. Would you join me in giving a warm Calvary welcome to our friend, Paul Sabino. Thanks, Paul. I want to commend you for your vision. Your vision is part of why we are here. Your generosity is amazing, and your humility precedes you. I have spent time now with Pastor Willie And what struck me, what amazed me, what just stopped me in my path was when he said in Gainesville just a couple of months ago, we want to help you. We don't need our name on it. We want to give generously. We want to get behind this. We believe in reaching university students, and we want you to come. Your your humility, your generosity, I have told your story again and again. It it is having this, this unbelievable just sense of worship, I think, as a response to that kind of pace that you're setting. And I also want to say, especially to uh, Pastor Willie and Cheryl, I want to thank you for your trust. Because part of this vision was them saying goodbye to their son Stephen and Mary Stewart to send them up to train with us. And I know as a parent that those tears were real, and that broken heart is a real thing because you believe in something. You believe in something even bigger than the immediate joy of having him with you at this moment. And he's with us in training, and I'll be able to talk about him a little bit as as this sermon gets going. But I am so grateful. We are so thankful to be a part of the Calvary family and to be able to do this with you. Um, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. That's where we're teaching from today, and it's all about prayer. Your vision is to be the answer to prayer. You can't be an answer to something you're not even seeking. I want to open up God's word to show you how Jesus taught us to pray. So, so Luke 11 is where we're starting. I remember the first prayers I ever heard from my mom. I was an unbeliever. We were an unbelieving home, and she prayed at the dinner table, Come, Lord Jesus, be our guests. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Jesus never came to the table, you know, as far as I knew, but that was something she said, which was better than the prayers that she prayed at nighttime. Here's that one. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. 
Good night. <laughs> you know, what do you do with that? Oh, if I die, God take me. Like, I didn't know what to think about all that. So I had very few experiences with prayer because I was an unbeliever. Some of you wonder, why should I pray? God's so busy caring for a universe, what would he want with my prayers? They're insignificant to him. Why would I bother him? Look, Jesus prayed through the night at times. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, as we will look at this morning. And in fact, on the cross, saying, it is finished, and into, my, into your hands I commit my spirit, one pastor said, and rightly so, Jesus died praying. Today we learn from him how to pray, we learn what to pray, we learn why to pray. First, what should we pray? That's where we're starting in Luke chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, you can track with me. Luke 11, 1 to 4 says this, he was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. powerful the way you honor God's word. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation. I'm going to stop there. You can can be seated. Jesus starts with what we should pray, and it's called the Lord's Prayer. This prayer missed me for so many years. Even as a believer, I I was in one ditch. You know, some people pray this prayer again and again. They've got it memorized, the Lord's Prayer. They don't think anything of it. And so I pushed back away from that, but I fell in a different ditch, and that ditch was to not learn from this prayer at all. And it was a young man on our staff team, Jordan Prohoda, who a couple years ago influenced me to get up in the morning and start my first 30 minutes of prayer with a cushion on the ground in front of my couch on my knees praying through this one line at a time. I'm telling you, this prayer will change your life. This isn't just to be repeated quickly. To go through this one line at a time as I hope to do with you could change your life. It has mine. So how did Jesus start? First off, the Matthew version of this says you should pray like this. It's not that you have to pray this exact thing, but, but pray like this. The first request is this, Father. That's how he, he starts. Whenever you pray, pray like this, Father. Isn't that incredible? God could have said, just call me creator, and he is. He could have said, just call me Lord or master, and he is. But this is what God is like. The first word out of his mouth, when you want to talk to God, he says this, just climb up on my lap and call me daddy. Call me daddy. Call me father. Think first of me like that, because that's who I am. The Jews didn't have a category for this. They wouldn't even call God by the name that he gave them at the burning bush, Yahweh. So when Jesus said, oh, when you talk to God, call him daddy, father, It shocked them. This is a God who wants relationship with you. This is a God who wants to hear from you. He's the grandpa saying, get up here on my lap. He's the dad saying, get over here. Come talk with me. This is intimate. It's almost as if you're in the family. Because through Christ you are. Listen to what Galatians 4, 6 says. It'll be on the screen. 
And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This, this is the, the call of God that He has welcomed us and He's put His Spirit in us to where we can call Him Father. Now look, five requests come out of this prayer. The first couple are towards God Himself. The, first th- the last three are towards us. Let's go through these one at a time. Number one, this prayer says, Your name be honored as holy. Your name be honored as holy. An older version, hallowed be thy name, right? What in the world does that mean? How do we make God's name holy? Now, God's name isn't to be confused with like Paul or Willie or Cheryl. It's not a proper name. It's who he is. It's his reputation. God is holy. He's righteous. He's gracious. So when we pray, God, I want your name, who you are, to be honored as holy, here's what we're saying. God, may who you are be honored by who I am. God's reputation is linked to us. And so when we're saying, we want, God, your name to be set apart. We don't want people to use your name like a swear word. We don't want people to hear about your great name and and kind of stifle a yawn. No, we want your name to be set apart. Your name to be magnificent and glorious. And they will see it best when they see it in us. Oh, God must be gracious, because look at that person. God must be generous, because look at those people who call themselves Christians. God must be holy, because those Christians refuse to click on porn, but instead are committed to their spouse. May God's name be honored as holy. This is where God starts. The first prayer request isn't about us at all, because God's more concerned about who he is than who we are. He is a God-centered God, not a man-centered God, and that is good for us. Your name be honored as holy is where this prayer request starts. The next thing, he says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. This is a prayer of surrender. And how often is this prayed? This is like daily. We'll see that when he talks about give us our daily bread. So this is your opportunity to start your day, to begin every day saying, God, I surrender to you. Your kingdom presumes a king. That's Jesus Christ. His subjects are us. And though he has yet to return to the world to literally rule among us, the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ in the hearts of his people. And when you and I bow down before God and say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're recognizing God gets his way in heaven every time. All the trees do what they're supposed to do. All the animals do what they're supposed to do. We're the only ones who don't. And we're saying, God, in my life today, God, would you rule? I'm surrendering to you today. I surrender to you. Look, God is a missional God. If you're not into sharing Jesus with people, you're not surrendered to this great king. God is a generous God. If you live for your money and you don't give generously to kingdom-minded churches like this, he is not ruling in your pocketbook. Is God your God? Are you surrendered? Your kingdom come is an opportunity for us to daily say, I give up. And I acknowledge you, Jesus. I surrender daily to you. And then, look at this. This is when God recognizes our needs. Give us each day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Think of the time that this was written in. There's no refrigerators. There's no preservatives in food. 
You get what you need for that day. And also recognize this, that most people who had jobs had them for the day, and then they had no job. They depended on God to give them a new job the next day. Can you imagine going home, that conversation at dinner? You know, you're sitting down at dinner, and, and, and maybe your wife's made some food. How was your day? It was great. Lost my job again. <laughs> Every day, lost my job. We're going to run out of food at the end of this day. And we are going to need God to give me a job the next day and put food on this table again. Oh, God, today I need you for this daily bread. So, so, some of you guys, gals that aren't on salary, you're like, I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, it's one job at a time, one bit at a time. But God is saying, come to me. I care about your needs. And believe me, God is not only concerned about your food for that day. This could be thought of, I think, very fairly broadly to say, what are my daily needs today? This prayer is one of intimacy where you get on your knees before God and you say, God, I actually have a lot of food in the fridge and the freezer. That's not my need right now. I don't know what to do with my wayward son. I don't know what to do with my daughter who doesn't love you. I'm going in, and I don't know what the doctor's going to say about the results. And I'm scared. God, I have needs today. But you care. You say, get up on my lap and call me daddy. So here I am on my knees. Going, God, I have needs. I'm depressed. I'm in a low place. I'm scared. Please help me today. We'll start over tomorrow. And God will come through for you. Don't you hear God saying, I want relationship with you? Don't you hear the invitation? I'm showing you how to pray. Don't you hear God saying, I want nearness with you? So when we pray and you get quiet before God, oh, your heart will go there quickly. What do you need today? God says, I want to hear about that. I want to meet those needs. The next thing he says, and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. Well, now, that assumes a couple things. When you pray, God, forgive us our sins, it assumes that you recognize you're a sinner. This is an easy thing for me to conclude. And if you don't believe me, ask my wife. She will tell you, with a lot of examples, he really needs Jesus. <laughs> you know, he's got problems. And I do. This prayer assumes that I need forgiveness every single day. It's true, God has totally forgiven me, and yet, I need to ask forgiveness. Here's how I would put that. When my kids sin, I've got, I've got three kids. They're fantastic. Josiah, Ellie, and Claire. I forgot to show you their picture earlier. Maybe it'll get shown at some point. When, when my kids were small and they would sin, you know what? Here's the deal. They did not get kicked out of my family. They didn't stop being a Sabino. But there was some relational intimacy lost. There was, there was some coldness. There was, there was a, a bit of distance. They were still my dearly loved child. But I'm telling you, there wasn't full restoration and relational intimacy until they came to me, or more often perhaps, I came to them and I said and got down on their level, I was wrong. I was so loud and harsh with my words when I came in from work. Will you please forgive me? And when they say yes... Boom. There's closeness again. 
See, this prayer assumes that we blow it all the time. I blow it with my pride every day. I blow it with lust in my heart towards women who are not my wife. Don't you, men? And so we come before God and we go, oh, God, please forgive me. Please restore closeness with me. And he does so quickly. Lord, forgive us our sins. But, but look at this. It assumes something else. As we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. It assumes you forgive people who've hurt you. Is that a fair assumption of you? Do you forgive? I imagine in a room this size, in campuses across this city, there are people who have chosen not to forgive. You don't know what he did to me. You don't know what she said about me. And you have chosen another path, the one of bitterness. And bitterness is such a subtle lie of Satan because bitterness actually never hurts the person who hurt you. They're clueless. Bitterness kills the one who holds it, and you're crippled. It is not an option. We need to forgive. As God forgave us in Christ, so we forgive. This is an opportunity daily to get right with God and to be right with others. God, forgive me, and am I forgiving others? Keeps us in right relationship with God and in right relationship with others. Guys, forgiveness is not a feeling. If you're waiting to forgive your spouse, good luck. <laughs> You'll be waiting forever. Forgiveness is a choice. A lot of you parents with like newborns, you know that love is not a feeling either. Love is a choice. It's the fruit of maturity in Christ. We forgive. The last prayer request says, do not bring us into temptation. What does this mean? Especially when James 1.13 says that no one undergoing a trial should say I'm being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. Okay, if God doesn't tempt anyone, how could Jesus be encouraging us to pray something like this, don't bring us into temptation? I thought you just said God doesn't do that. Why would you have us to pray this? And why would you have us to pray that every day? This doesn't make sense. You feel the tension. Praying that prayer... When someone says, do not bring me into temptation, they are humbling acknowledging this. That God, I am so prone to sin that I need you to keep me even from temptation that would overwhelm me. I, I am so prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I, I'm so prone to leave the God I love. Oh God, keep me near. Keep me from falling that far. God, keep me when I'm using the internet from ever scrolling over and clicking down a path that will destroy me, that will break my wife's heart. God, I'm about to get paid. Keep me from loving this money and serving it and treating it as if it were God. May this money be a tool in your hands and may I give it away generously to accomplish the mission you're about. May with my money I say, thy kingdom come and not my kingdom come. God, make me generous. I'm so prone to love this stuff. God, keep me when I go to their house from envying the fact that she got the couches that I wanted. Keep me from struggle in my heart when I go on Facebook and they took the vacation that I wanted. God, keep me from the pride that is forever wanting to exalt myself because I've not linked identity to you I've linked it to what you think of me. 
referring to others. God, we need you. So this prayer is eminently practical. Jesus taught us what to pray, but now in the next few verses, he teaches us how we should pray. Let me me read this. He goes on to say this in verse 5. Let me read. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he'll answer him from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't even get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And before I jump into that, when I talk about how we should pray, there is already a hint that has already been given. Have you heard the language of the Lord's Prayer that says things like this? Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Bring us not into temptation. This is a prayer prayed with others. See, I bet some were thrown off by that corporate prayer thing at the beginning of the service, weren't you? I mean, if we were honest, some were like, uh, rather not. Rather not. No, thanks. Hey, you know what? I'm going to hit the bathroom real quick. I'll be back in about, what, three minutes? Boom, and you're gone. It's odd, isn't it? Some of us in our pride just think we're performing before people. We want to sound spiritual. It throws us off to get in front of people. Look, we need to learn to pray with others. I, I'm grateful for how I've learned to pray this together. I need to take a step forward and pray more with others. When I pray by myself, sometimes my mind's just prone to wander. I'm afraid to, I'll just fall asleep there on my knees. I find myself planning the rest of my day when I go to pray. But not normally when I'm with others. See, what I've found is you'll always go further and faster when you go there with others. It's true of prayer. It's also true of uh, exercise. Um, You know, we know what it's like to try and do some exercise like commitment on our own, right? We're like, you know what I'm going to do this year? Starting January 1st, New Year's resolution. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. And, 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 you know, January 15th, you're eating your favorite blizzard at Dairy Queen. You know, you've, you've thrown in the towel. You're like, ah, you know what? There's always next year, you know? We know what that's like, right? But when you get around a group of people that will help you, you're going to go further, you're going to go faster. Look, look Stephen is uh, up in uh, Cedar Falls with us, with Mary Stewart. He said he used to exercise like twice a week. Or, no, no, he used to exercise like twice. He said, in the last four years, I've, I've exercised twice. Now, the dude is exercising twice a week. In fact, I've got a picture here. Maybe, um, maybe it'll be shown, maybe it won't be. But this is uh, Stephen. Yeah, so you, you see uh, Stephen and Mary Stewart there in the middle. That's myself with my daughter Claire and Jordan, one of the other guys on our staff. That's us in the football stadium. Guess what? In there, I mean, we do pull-ups, we do push-ups, we do sit-ups, we do burpees, we run that field, we go up and down those stairs. Stephen has only thrown up once. (laughs) In the beginning, it just looked like he wanted to die. But I'm telling you, he is most improved player. Like, my daughter Claire next to me is like, Stephen, you're doing awesome. He's like, "Ah, ah," you know, but he is gaining every time. He is going further, faster, because he's doing it with others. That's what your pursuit of God should look like. Some of you just trying to do it alone. Get your personal Bible, your personal quiet time, personal relationship with Jesus. You think Jesus died on the cross just to have a one-on-one forever with you. Because we're more American than we are Christian when we think like that. 
God invited you into a family, and you were meant to experience him with others. This prayer is corporate. Do this together. And then there was something else that we saw in this prayer. This, this picture that not only do we pray with others, but, but this picture that's found in the story. This boldless shamelessness. Look at this. Friend, me, lend me three loaves of bread. This guy has a visitor show up at nighttime, around midnight. And he goes, what am I going to do? I have to be a good guest. He goes to another guy, knocks on his door. This guy is in bed. And in bed, there'd probably be one bed in the middle of the room. I'm just telling you, first century houses, one room, no windows, and he's knocking at midnight. Parents, you know how hard it is to get kids to sleep. You know how annoying it is to be woken up and have them woken up. It's like the cardinal sin. And this guy did probably what every parent has learned to do, yell through a whisper. Go away! Stop it! You know, like, we know how to do it, parents, to look at our kids and go, you better stop right now or I'm gonna... You know, like, this guy is like, go away! (laughs) MacArthur, he he said this about this guy. Look, you, you, you have a decision to make. You can either be a poor host, people came to me and they need food, or you can be a poor neighbor, I'm going to go bother my friend. But in that culture, a poor host wasn't an option. So he goes and he bothers this guy, and it's because of his, look at this verse 8, because of his shameless boldness, he was going to have his answer in prayer. He was shamelessly bold. How should we pray? Yes, we pray with others, but we pray with shameless boldness. And he goes on to say, see, Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. God wants you to be shamelessly bold with him. Now don't make a wrong connection in this biblical text and assume that God is like this disgruntled guy asleep that doesn't want you to bother him. That's not the point he's trying to make. That's not the point. The point is this. That guy was bold shamelessly bold. In the middle of the night, he's banging on the door. And God's going, be like that. Be like that. And if you didn't get it, ask, seek, knock. Like he just says, I'm going I'm to help you out. And that ask, the Greek behind that, those words, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and see if I don't answer. There is a persistence that Jesus is calling for in prayer. Is it true of your prayer life? You know, for me and our family and these others planting at the University of Florida, God has been blessing a love of persistence in prayer. And the reality is a couple of years ago, in a church that is thriving, God began to work in my heart to go, man, would God do it again? And I started going that direction. And the reality is this. I had for a a year or two before the Lord put this request before him without answers, even asking by this date, May 25th, just last May, God, would you give answers to where I should go, who I should go with? Like I was praying very specifically, and heaven was silent. And I went off on an amazing vacation with my family, and while I was gone, little did I know, a couple pastors from our network had flown down to meet with Pastor Willie and Stephen and began talking, what would it look like? And another church. And both these churches were saying, we think the Salt Network should come here. We're going to help with, with friends or with funds, however we can help. And we think you should start at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And he sent me, Troy Nesbitt sent me an email while I was overseas last summer. And I'd been praying for so long, and it's like heaven was silent. And the subject line in the email was this, open doors. 
it seems like God is opening up a connection, a partnership. It seems like he is answering. Let's keep stepping forward. Well, within weeks, I was in Gainesville meeting with Willie and with others, and then I brought Ryan down. I I came home, and I was like, I had been praying for Ryan Hill to come with me for like a year. He didn't even know it. I was bringing his name before the Lord. In fact, on the plane flight home, one of the guys said, what do you think Ryan's going to say when you bring, you spring this idea out of him, out of nowhere? And what chance of, what confidence do you have he'll go? I'm like, 90%. (laughs) And I just started laughing, and only 90% because I'd been praying and God has worked in his heart, and we are so thankful for how he's opening doors. We believe God's in it, and that's where we want to be, right in the midst of what God's doing. So in the, in the midst of persistence, in the midst of seeking the Lord, God is doing it. But look, we see what we should pray. We see in this middle section how we should pray. I want you to hear from Jesus why, because this motivates my heart so deeply. Look at this, why we should pray. Look at the end of this passage. I'm starting in verse 11. Jesus says this, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, here's here's what he says. What father, if his son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? Like, how cruel would that be? Like, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Oh, oh, you want a fish? Okay, you know, and then, like, the dad's got a snake instead, you know, and, and, and the son's like, Daddy? And he's like, <laughs> you know, like, throws a snake at him. That would be really cruel. My wife is deathly afraid of snakes, which is why it's fantastic that there are no snakes in the state of Florida. <laughs> right? Right? Thank you. Yeah, none of them. None of them. So you got nothing to fear, babe. Yeah, so, but can you imagine if my wife's like, hey, hey, Paul, can you give me one of those key lime cookies? Those are really good. Jennifer made those. Those are awesome. You know, like, can you, can you get me those? And, and I go, oh, here you go. And I grab a snake. You know, like, that is the height of cruelty. And, and God's saying, look, who does that? <laughs> you who are evil, know how to actually give good gifts to your kids. How much more will my Father, who is not evil, give you his Holy Spirit? And it makes sense to the last phrase. Because I want to fill in the blank with something I want, and God throws in, he'll give you his Holy Spirit. I got, wait, 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 wait. I kind of want to finish that one myself. I got something else I want. Is it possible that what I want so badly is different than what I need so much? Because God is saying, look, you're evil, you know how to give good gifts. My Father in heaven is so good, he would give you his Holy Spirit. Let me illustrate this point with this story. My brothers, both of them were born overseas in England. My father was in the military, 11 years in the Air Force, 11 years then in the Navy, but in the early 70s, while he was overseas in England, he bought a 1959 uh, British bike, a Norton Dominator. He rode this thing around the countryside of England, and then he would bring it, he would crate it, bring it back across country, and it would sit in total disrepair, a kind of a heap of junk for the next 40 years. Now it has been fully restored. My dad 
had this motorcycle fully restored and then put this on a trailer and drug it all the way across the country and in the delight of a father's heart, he said, here, it's yours. Did all that work to give me one of his greatest possessions, but here's my question for you. What would I want most? Is it really a restored English motorcycle? I would say, no. It's my dad. I don't want something he can give me. I want relationship with him. And some of us would say, oh, I know what I want from God. It's this, fill in the blank. It's that spouse. It's this child. It's, it's a different thing. It's this money. It's that shiny thing. God is saying, look, what you most want is not what you most need. I will give you the greatest joy. I could do no better for you than to give you myself through the Holy Spirit. Why should you pray? Because our God who has met our greatest need in the cross and has given us the greatest desire our souls could ever want himself is a God who wants intimacy with you, who wants to work in your life, who wants to hear from you, who wants to meet your every need. And then Calvary wants to set you on mission to live for more than yourself, to get caught up in his plan his great commission to extend the front lines of his kingdom because there are men women boys and girls out there who have no hope of jesus christ and when we encounter this god and his spirit comes to live in us he will meet with us in such a way that will change our hearts and will invite us in to the greatest mission ever i want to pray for us to that end this morning pray with me Oh God, we worship you. Father in heaven, thank you that we can call you Father. It would be enough to call you Master. But God, you invite us near. You long for intimacy with us. And you call us your children. God, you have helped us to know how to pray. I didn't know how to pray sitting there at a kitchen table. And the prayer at nighttime just kind of scared me. But God, you call us near in intimacy. God, I am motivated to come to you with shameless boldness because you're a good father and you've given yourself to me. God, I pray for intimacy of prayer at this church and all the churches that they will partner with the plant. God, I pray that the greatest thing they would ever offer towards people is the greatness of Jesus Christ and the fullness of joy in him. What else do we have to offer? God, use us in power and extend the front lines of your kingdom to people who don't know you through us. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Wow. It's been a uh, great morning. Thank you uh, so much. And, and here's the deal. Uh, you've just heard the story about how uh, God has worked through uh, one man's life. But here's the beauty of this. God wants to work through your life. God is telling a story through you and me. And so we must be about his work. And that, must, that means that we have to lean in to our relationship with God, praying that we could discover and to approach the throne of boldness so that we can discover 
what God's plan is uh, for us. There's a couple of things I want to make you aware of as you as you leave. First, you got this card. It says, be the answer to the prayer um, when you came in this morning. And so if you could, if you just take a, a moment to fill that out um, and uh, just put your name on there, maybe check an area that might interest you, whether it's locally, nationally, or internationally. And on your way out this morning, um, when you walk through the doors, you'll see there was a you know, big display when you came in. Well, on the tables out there is a prayer calendar. It's a year prayer calendar. You want to meet some of the mission that we're working with. You want to you want to meet some of the church planters that we're doing work with. You want to learn more about some of the initiatives that Calvary is involved with around the world. You want to drop off this card, grab one of these prayer calendars, and and join with us in prayer over the next year for several of these initiatives uh, that you can uh, that you can pray about specifically. It's it's more than just about a month or or even a single Sunday. This is about what God is doing throughout the entire year and how you can be a part of it all. And it doesn't happen if we're not a praying people. And so I encourage you on your way out this morning, just drop off a card, grab one of these prayer calendars and uh, put it on your desk, put it in a prominent place in your home that will remind you uh, each day, each week to be praying for our mission partners throughout the world. Remember, if this is your first time, Pastor Willie and I would love to meet you on your way out. So if you would just stop by our next steps area and uh, we have a gift that we'd like to give you and we'd love to do some follow-up. Maybe give you a call this week, just check in, see how your experience was uh, this morning. God bless you. Thank you again for being here for our service this morning.